When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. So today my guest is Dave Perner, lead man, mastermind behind the band Soul Asylum, and he has got a whole lot to talk about, including the reissues of the band's first two albums, the just-released live album, Live from Liberty Lunch, Austin, Texas, December 3rd, 1992, and we also get into the 20th anniversary of their 1998 record, Candy from a Stranger, and get the updates on the brand new upcoming Soul Asylum record. Along with that... He tells us some stories about working with Kevin Smith and meeting Prince. There's a whole lot to dig into here. It's Kyle Meredith with Soul Asylum. Hey, Kyle. It's Dave Burner. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm well. I feel like we're going to spend some time in the past for a little bit. I, I now have more to ask about than I thought I did, considering uh, the, the recent announcement. I guess I guess we'll start there in the in the early '80s. Uh, the first two albums, the Twin Tone albums, that they're getting expanded, the reissues. I know I've been living in the past. I'm still trying to get out of it. I just listened to the masters last night, and I approved them. I'm like, they sound great. They yeah. have way more low end than. I mean, that's the part that really made me happy. I was like, fuck. Back in those days, punk rock records didn't have low end. I mean, they really didn't. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense because it's really fast music. But the guy that remastered these records, he, I'm like, oh my God, it's Carl. <laughs> you can hear the bass and it, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would because the whole time that I've had to listen to this shit, 
<laughs> and I've been working with Peter Jesperson from Twin Tone, and now he's at Omnivore. And uh, yeah, it is. It's like a forced being in the past sort of situation. It takes me <laughs> back to when the songs were being played and written and recorded. And uh, it's it's strange, you know. I, it kind of makes me uncomfortable a little bit. But uh, you know, I don't really know. It's got it's got low end on it now. Yeah, that's worth something. And I, there's a bunch of outtakes that you know were outtakes for a reason. <laughs> well, that's I, I'm <laughs> so kind of curious about that. got this warts and all kind of yeah because... value to it. That's like, ugh, I don't know why anyone would want to listen to that. I mean, <laughs> don't you have a band where you do that with though? Isn't there a favorite band where even the stuff left on the cutting room floor, like you're curious about at least, and you'll listen to it? I'm gonna go with Robert Johnson. I mean, what's going on? Like I've listened to. Ten different versions of that song, and I just—it fascinates me the way that Marvin Gaye moved around with the mixes and the arrangements or whatever, you know. But not really. Like the Robert Johnson thing, it had two versions, one right after the other, and that was kind of difficult. But if you're listening to an artist that that's that incredible, you do hear the differences in the nuance that makes him him. I mean. There's not very many other people that I can think of. I mean, I listen to Velvet Underground outtakes, I guess. You know, that's about it. I mean, some Beatles shit. Eventually, you have to hear some sort of cool thing that happened with the Beatles in the studio where mm-hmm. you can hear the band talking amongst each other or whatever. I mean, that's cool. It's just surprising, I mean, I, that, that they've lasted this long without making them out there, that you've held on to them, you know, without... You know, even like some bootleg happening. That's usually the way it happens anyway. But, you know, what, 84 and 86, like that's a long time to to stay hidden. So uh, to me as a fan, this is is very exciting. Oh, well, that's great because I just it's hard for me to rationalize in my head. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure you can still get those records on fucking eBay or whatever. I don't know. I'm all about vinyl. I love vinyl. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here staring at my big record collection and... It's really a joyful experience for me to see it come back. And yeah, these records are on, they're on better vinyl. I mean, the vinyl is heavier again, you know. It got lighter and lighter and lighter until right. it kind of sounded like, you know, but now they're pressing. I was going to buy a lathe about 12 years ago. I don't know why I didn't do it. I was just like, why don't we start pressing our own records? And we were looking into it, and that was about 12 years ago before. <laughs> We, were, we would have been ahead of the curve if we had bought the lathe back yeah. then. I'm sure they're harder to find now. <laughs> well, uh, the important is, you know, this stuff is coming out now, and, and I'll move forward about 10, or well, five, six, seven years here to 92, because that was the other release that just came out, the live album, live from Liberty Lunch, Austin, Texas. Was that was there a reason you guys recorded that night, or was that just sort of a random thing? Was, like, was there something special going on? Well, that's kind of interesting, because it was, a random thing however you know the band was not paying attention so of course we completely forgot about it <laughs> that's the best kind but it was just that sort of at that time where columbia was interested enough in what we were doing that you know they sent out a fucking recording unit to record the show and it sounds surprisingly good <laughs> <laughs> I'm always kind of amazed when it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, but I'll tell anyhow, you. I'll take uh, "Cry to Me." That that version of "Cry to Me" on there. I've bet I've listened to that a dozen times. Speaking of things that just like sounds great, like the whatever is coming out of you and the whole band during that song. Which you know that that's not 
That's not an obvious cover. And, and you've done great covers throughout your career, and that's not an obvious one right there either. But those moments, they do. They happen all around there. Yeah, that's amazing because I heard the Rolling Stones do it, and then I heard Professor Longhair do it. And I'm like, that's one of those songs to me. Um, it's like a classic standard thing, but it's not It's not really in the standard fake book, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I like, I like interpreting. It's really nice. I've been... Uh, sort of listening to somewhere from the West Side Story. And, like, mm -hmm. you can go on the YouTube, and 20 people have covered that song. So you can see Elton John and David Bowie and Patti LaBelle and Dionne Warwick and fucking Tom Waits just mm -hmm. kills it. And there's just so many versions of it, and it's like a minute and a half long. <laughs> so all these other versions are trying to make more time. <laughs> it's kind of funny like that. But, you know, I'll bring up the other one from that album, To Serve With Love. I had never considered that. I'm not a musician either, but I never would have considered that. Like, hey, why don't you cover To Serve? Well, like, what, what, do you even remember what was going on, why you picked that song? It's a really good question. I'm thinking about that while you're asking me. Um, I, I think I just heard it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think I heard it when I was young. I heard it on the radio or something because I don't really associate it with the movie. I, I believe it's from a movie, right? Yeah, right. It, That's it, it, the name of the movie. It's the name of the movie, with, right. Right, with Sidney Poitier. But uh, there's something I always liked about that song, and I, I had the wherewithal, if you will, <laughs> to just do things like, you know, let's cover, you know, anything and everything. And uh, I'm thinking of the theme from Billy Jack right now. Just <laughs> like, go ahead and hit your neighbor. I'm like, let's try that. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of times it was a mess. A lot of times it was a dare. Yeah. And a lot of times it was kind of very half-assed. Like my Michael Bland will not put up with me just coming into practice going, hey, I heard something on the radio. Let's try it. <laughs> he's like, you got to get more together than that. I'm like, no, 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 no. We'll just play it by ear. And he's like, Dave, there's three other parts to that song. I'm like, I don't care. Just play the good parts. <laughs> I mean, that's punk <laughs> I mean, rock it's forever. Kind of terrible. <laughs> you know, just with love is, is a pretty particular song. And I, I mean, to know that I was going to get to sing it with the woman that sings it on the record i mean that was pretty fucking amazing that was just one of those moments i'm like holy shit i'm singing this song with the woman that sang it on the record uh, it's just crazy to me well I, I'll, I'll bring up actually because uh I'll, I'll jump out of the live album for a second but stick it to 92 because we're in the covers here uh that year you also put out the cover of uh what summer of drugs and sexual healing it was a good year for covers for you is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's just kind of one of those things where everybody just was into the band. So we're just like, whatever, man. Mm -hmm. We've always been kind of like that, you know? Fuck it. We'll, we'll play an Alice Cooper song for your fucking movie. I don't, we don't care. <laughs> it's fun. And I think we're pretty good at it. I mean, this was, this was by, so when, when that album was recorded, the live album, I mean, Runaway Train had happened by that point, I, I believe, or, or was happening, I, I guess. Yeah. Which, you know, is interesting because you'd already been a band, you know, for 10 years at that point. Did, did it feel hard won, this success that was rolling in through this, or, or bizarre? What, do you, like, can you recall yeah, that feeling? I, I think hard, hard won is the right, exactly the right expression. It felt like, 12 years of getting absolutely nowhere and then kind of being sort of recognized for what we just spent the last 12 years doing, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it did feel like the biggest joke we could think of was like an overnight 
sensation. We were just like, fuck, we're just going to keep doing this forever and nobody gives a shit. So we kind of got used to that. (laughs) So, yeah, I was, and and then the second part, yes, it was fairly shocking and weird. (laughs) I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I don't know what word you use, but it was better than mine. It was bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Bizarre, yeah. Yeah, that's a, well, um, uh, fast forward again uh, to 1998, because one of my favorite albums of the year has just turned 20 years old uh, last weekend. That's Candy from a Stranger. I had that poster on my wall for a very long time. I feel like this was a much better record than people allowed at the time. And, and again, I don't know how you were feeling around the time uh, or what it was. Thank but... you so much. I love it when somebody goes, I really like that record. It's a really good record. <laughs> and, and, oh, my God, I worked so hard on it. Yeah, no one talks about that record very much. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about the single first, then. I Will Still Be Laughing. It's one of your greatest hits. It's The guitar riff intro is fantastic, and that hook, I mean, I'm 20 years, and I still sing that regularly. It's um, it's a hell of a song. That's a good mantra. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that having the last laugh thing, you know? Right. What was going on here, though? Uh, you say you know you worked so hard on the record. There had been one record that was scrapped going into it, or or a versions of the songs. What's the story there? Uh, we recorded the record with Matt Hyde, the great producer from Los Angeles, and hmm, the record company was not feeling it. I guess so. They pulled the plug, yeah. and uh, that was a sad day. Just sitting there with Matt Hyde, going fuck. What did we do wrong, you know? Or what aren't we doing that's right? What, how, what are we supposed to be doing here? I'm just like, I don't know, man. I've been making music just like how with that. So their solution was to throw more money at it. <laughs> and we, we went down to Criteria in Florida and re-recorded the record with, you know, four different, five different songs, maybe, or some more songs. And, oh, my God, that Matt Hyde record is, is out there somewhere. But, I mean, it just... I didn't. I still didn't understand what the fuck I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like it just, <laughs> just like I'm just doing my thing, and they're, I guess they're thinking we're not hearing big hits here, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like I'm completely ignorant. I mean, many years down the line, I've gone to like you know ASCAP conventions where there's a lot of young people that that write songs for other people and they get together in the studio and they go to Nashville and they do all this crazy stuff and it turns into a fucking Taylor Swift song or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's it's craft, I guess. And it's uh, it's never really felt that way to me. <laughs> and I don't I don't intend on changing my course course <laughs> anytime soon. So, you know, it is. It's ridiculous. If I start thinking about trying to make music that made money it would just corrupt my whole system well i i know a lot of bands uh that had hits in the early part of the decade the first half of the decades like when i look back now like it seemed like that was a challenge and i don't know if that was just fatigue for the sound or whatever it was but it was a real shame and, and i'm hoping that you know time has really proven that that record um against those critical points i guess yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't listened to it for a long time, but the band was kind of bombed out and depleted at some point where it was just such a struggle to get it right. And I think we got it right. I mean, I'm proud of that record as much as I am of any other record. I mean, all I can do is try my best. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the one, my, my only complaint, and I really do mean this, 
Uh, losing it uh, technically came out the year before in '97. It was used. It was used as a B side, I think, uh, like an import Japanese import or something like this for Candy from a Stranger. Uh, to me, and this is you know again fanboy right here. As much as I love, I'll still be laughing. I thought, man, if losing it had been the big single, you know, the lead single, like oh, the whole world would have heard it or or whatever. And oh, oh that's nice. Michael is really into it. We're bringing that song back. Oh, it's a great song. It's hard because it's like we can't put it on a record because it was a B-side, but there's so many... It's weird for me that I have such a great bandmate in Michael Bland because he will find songs from 20 years ago and go, why didn't anybody notice that? That's a good song. Let's play it. And that's unique, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, yeah, losing it is... It's fun to play. We we just about have it to where it's going to sound better than it's ever sounded. But that's Sterling playing it on the, the live I don't know, we played it live at the North Dakota flood thing or something oh yeah yeah that's, yeah right I don't know why it didn't make it onto the record but that's always kind of the deal with me right. so my nephew I was, I was trying to tell somebody earlier I was talking to my nephew about songwriting and he goes well what what is your process and I go well it's pretty much an LP it's like 12 songs are going to make it onto the record and if I have to write 100 to get there that's what I'm going to do and that's what I've always done. It ended up on, uh, I know what you did last summer. I still don't know what you did last summer. I don't remember which one it was, but uh, that's it found its way out on the soundtrack first before the B-side version. And uh, I'm, I'm happy I found it. I was such a, I mean, a lot of kids were soundtrack collectors in the 90s. That was sort of one of the big things, the way to find music. Yeah, how about that? Um, I never really thought about it that way. I certainly remember going, and especially with the woman that I do not speak of ever, but she was into soundtracks, so we would go to the record store and buy soundtracks. Yeah. And uh, that was an eye-opener for me in a way that I don't think you can really do that anymore. <laughs> I don't think there's a soundtrack section <laughs> in very many places, but uh, there's certainly been some, some good. Elmer, Elmer Bernstein was the guy I got into, and shit like that, and like working on the Kevin Smith movie was just a joy. I oh, just yeah. loved it. So that's a, you know, it's different than, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I think like now, I think the last movie gig I got was Runaway Train in a Adam Sandler Netflix movie. <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> you know, it's a movie and it's Sandler. I'm like, well, whatever. And we gave him a version of Runaway Train that was a re-recorded version mm-hmm. because, like, I had to pay out fucking everybody. I'm like the last person that makes money on that. So it's hilarious. So if we re-record it, then we don't have to give the money to Columbia and give the money to everybody that... It's a long story, but I'm sure you kind of understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I do, so yeah. We re-recorded Runaway Train, and it sounded the same to me. I'm like, fuck, that's the song. And Sandler was like, nope, this is not the version I want. And so I get a call back, like, Sandler wants the original version. And I'm like, fucking Sandler, he's, he's a music guy. He wants to be in a rock band. He gives Sandler what he wants. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, it's, that's the way it works, because now that's an introduction to a whole new set of... Whoever's watching Adam Sandler on Netflix these days, and uh, I know he signed that big deal, but... Uh, but somebody's hearing that for the first time because of that, and that I've always appreciated that. Like the the tie between movies and music is, you know, one of the most important, more important aspects it is. of my it's life. Pretty, so. it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's, it's very sweet. I really like it too. I love movies and the way you can associate a 
scene with a song from a soundtrack or just score. Mm-hmm. I'm big on score. Oh, like, yeah. I, I just, the arc of the music that, oh my God, it's so interesting. I mean, I wish that I could have got more jobs doing that and, and finding out that I had to live in LA to get that kind of work was an excuse basically because I'm like I, I just don't I can't live in it and I don't but you have to be in you know what I'm saying you got to go mm-hmm. to a party and talk mm-hmm. to people and you got to get yourself out there got to tell everyone you want soundtrack work that was a lucky lucky blessing having Kevin Smith pick me to score his movie I, I thought oh my god this is the beginning of a great thing and it's really the only movie I've ever scored <laughs> You need to shake that tree again. Does, I mean, because Kevin Smith, I mean, you guys did that, but he also used you on the soundtrack for Clerks. Oh, my God. Thank God he didn't die. He is just yeah. an enigma. I mean, just getting to work with him was like, holy shit. He's just so smart and so articulate and so eccentric in his creativity. He's just a pleasure to be around. And that's why millions of people want to hear what he has to say every day. He's just great. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious that he said uh, when I was lying on my deathbed, my only regret was not making Silent Bob and Jake too. <laughs> that was just funny. I don't even think he's trying to be funny. It's just the way he's very honest about how his brain works. Right. It was difficult to watch him fucking tear Prince down, but I've mm-hmm. been at Paisley Park too, man. That's the way it is. I've, I've, but I've heard that sort of similar things from a lot of people who. You know, we're we're asked to come in and work. It's okay. I've learned to love the man. Right. Right. And also to be confronted with this situation where I think I'm closer to him and his music since he died. It's one of those crazy things where I had to go cover his songs at tributes and things and really started to understand the the dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The dude. Can you imagine if the big Lebowski was not played by Jeff Bridges, but played by Prince? That'd be hilarious. (laughs) The standoff between Prince and Jesus. (laughs) Oh, it would have been a different movie. It, it, It feels good for me that I got to talk to him and say exactly what I wanted to say to him. Oh, yeah? And, uh... He gave me that that Prince shy, coy smile when I said it, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> no, you got that. That's huge. That's true, right? Well, hey, I want to ask you about uh, the present tense real quick. Uh, let's see. Tour dates are coming up with Collective Soul and Three Doors Down. Um, what's 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 the word with music? Because uh, you're having to live in the past so much. I'm hoping you're also working on the future. Well, that's my biggest problem. I'm like, I need to listen to our new recordings, which we are recording currently. I'm like, I was listening to the remaster of Grave Dancers. Wait, wait, what's it called? Made to be Broken. Right. Going, fuck, I just want to listen to the new tunes. What are they? Is there a new mix or something? Is there? So it's kind of this process. It's it's kind of always going on. But in my mind, we might really, hopefully I'm I'm ahead of myself, I guess is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's never good enough. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure if the recordings that I have, accomplished on this next record that we're working on you know i think if somebody heard something went holy fuck we're gonna make a billion dollars off that song it probably would have (laughs) (laughs) what's uh i mean is is there anything you want to say about it though Uh, you know stylistically it's soul asylum it's you know it's it's dave it's uh thematically anything um well it's it's a rogue project so 
we're not really talking about it. Mm, okay. All right. A rogue project. That's so, a... But it is actually more organic than ever. I mean, we've, we've done this full circle here where now we're actually back at the studio where we recorded Made to be Broken. And it's it's surreal and funny. It's like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a full circle. And uh, this time it's... This time I got 25 years of experience. This time the low end is there from the beginning. <laughs> yes, sir. That is right. Michael Bland is fucking planting it. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I don't know if that's a this year or next year or whenever, but uh, but I'll, I'll be I'll be listening for it, looking for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, I think it's it's almost too listenable. But I shouldn't fuck with that though, because Michael allows me to experiment. Yeah. Very right now I just kind of got to deliver songs. All right, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Uh thanks for taking the time. And uh yeah, I'll be looking for all this stuff. So, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it, man. All right. Take care and we'll see you around. All right, you too. All right, bye. Easy. Hey, thanks to Dave Perner of Soul Asylum for giving me the call. The uh, new live album Live from Liberty Lunch Austin, Texas is now out. And we're looking forward to the reissues of those first two records as well. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. Uh, for your podcast fans, head over to iTunes and Podchaser. Please do give us a rating while you're there and a review as well. You can also head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.